want to speak a little bit this morning about uh, the theme of uh, generosity. And uh, generosity is a great and glorious uh, thing, and when we receive uh, generosity, we're all very uh, grateful uh, and very, very glad uh, of that. Um, I'm sure all of you can recall times when you've received uh, generosity from others and when you've been uh, generous yourselves. Uh, just recently, last Saturday, we had a family uh, birthday party, and uh, when we arrived at the uh, party, um, we'd been there chatting, and then my son uh, came back. He'd been down to the, uh, the pizza place, and uh, he came back, and he had seven massive family-sized pizzas in his uh, hand, and I said, my gosh, you know. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, he said, it's all right, Dad. He said, we normally have, uh, we just get four uh, of these, but because you and Mum were coming, uh, we got seven. I said, seven. So you think mum and I are going to do three, three pieces, you know. What a reputation, you know. And uh, he said, well, that's good to be generous. And I said, that's good to be generous. I mean, you'll be pleased to know there were some left over. Family <laughs> the next day. But uh, it brings joy, doesn't it, uh, when generosity enters the room in the shape of these uh, seven, uh, seven pizzas. And so... Uh, one of the things I think I loved about uh, Jesus, uh, both obviously in his person, because this is God's generosity to us, isn't it? Fancy God, uh, Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, God's generosity in coming to be with us uh, himself. This is extraordinary. Uh, I remember the Iman in uh, Hobart. We had a great uh, relationship when he came back from his Hajj, his pilgrimage to Mecca. Uh, he brought me back a Quran. Uh, from Mecca, which is a very precious gift, and we were chatting, and uh, uh, and uh, he said to me, talking about the, uh, the about Jesus uh, in the in the Quran, and uh, and how the Muslims too believe that Jesus uh, is especially he's a prophet, uh, not the great final prophet like Muhammad, but he's a prophet. And uh, I said, well, of course, that's one of the differences between us, and um, that we both believe that Jesus is sent from God and that he was miraculously conceived. Uh, and then we understand that he's actually fully human and fully divine. And uh, he said, yes, he said, I know, he said, um, he said, it's crazy, isn't it? He said, it's crazy. And I said, absolutely. I said, I'm with you. I said, moreover, you know, if I was God, uh, farming things, if I was God, farming, I wouldn't do it. Would you? Would you actually, if you were God, would you come down into this mess? Oh, he said, I wouldn't. I said, neither would I. And I said, but that's, that's God, isn't it? God is a little crazy, in a sense. He does things that are beyond uh, our understanding. God uh, is a generous God because our understanding of God is that God uh, is three in one, that God is love within God's self. And this love flows out uh, to others. Jesus uh, was often on about generosity, uh, you might remember our reading this morning where he, uh, all the activity uh, in the temple, people coming and going and, uh, you know, sacrifices being made and people buying things and everything. And, uh, and then he notices uh, a widow. And uh, he notices uh, what she does and that she gives uh, all that she has and she puts it into uh, the collection. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put all she had to live on. Jesus noticed this generosity. 
I've sometimes wondered that wonderful widow, uh, whether she had in her mind the words of King David, uh, who actually helped establish uh, the first temple, and who, whose own prayer at the dedication of the temple includes this. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. Yes, we're called to be generous. Jesus notices generosity. In fact, we're stewards of God's goodness and generosity to us, and we're called to be passer honors. <laughs> we're to pass it on. We're called to be generous uh, ourselves. Jesus notices generosity and he affirms it. And in the same way he affirms generosity, he condemns meanness. In Luke chapter 7, uh, in verses 36 to 50, in, in Luke uh, chapter 7, uh, a Pharisee invites Jesus uh, to his house. You might remember this story. And uh, Jesus uh, goes to this house and um, they recline at table. So uh, the way they recline is the food and everything's in the middle and they sort of lie on their side and their feet um, sticking out the back, uh, if you like. And so uh, they're there at the uh, table, presumably in the courtyard of the Pharisee's uh, house. And uh, a woman who's a sinful woman, known as a sinful woman in the town, uh, she enters the courtyard, which is a sort of very bold, uh, even brazen thing to do. She enters the courtyard of the uh, Pharisee, a religious uh, leader, very meticulous about the law and purity laws, and this sinful woman uh, enters in. And uh, she comes with an alabaster jar of perfume. So this is a significant uh, uh, gift, an expensive item. And she stood behind Jesus' feet and she was weeping. She stood behind Jesus' feet and she was weeping. She knew something about this one who somehow accepted the sinful the marginalised, who gave a welcome. Even in a Pharisee's house, she must have had a confidence that although the Pharisee might say no, but the guest would say yes. And so she entered the house weeping uh, at the wonder, really, of this one, of this Jesus. And as she stood behind uh, his feet uh, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. So as she was there weeping, she was weeping to such an extent, and I guess all of us at some sides have been with a person who is, is weeping, not just crying, but weeping. And the tears flow, don't they? The tears flow. And her tears fell on his feet. And then she would have knelt down she was conscious of wetting his feet and she wiped his feet with her hair. And then she kissed them, his feet. And then to really cleanse them, she poured perfume on them. Extraordinarily moving moment. It was moving for the Pharisee too, <laughs> but in another way. <laughs> because when the Pharisee who invited Jesus into his house saw this, he said to himself, right, 
didn't say it out loud, he's a very civilised man, very educated, so very British really, you know, so stiff up on it, you know, think it on your head but you don't show it, you know, tough, really, not all like South America, where we sort of, you know everything, you might want to know it, but life is lived externally. But uh, this Pharisee, no, and he thinks in his head, if this man were a prophet, that's what he's thinking, and he's probably thinking it this way too, this man were a prophet, <laughs> this man were a prophet really, he would know who's touching him, and what kind of woman she is, he would know that if he was really a prophet, that she is a sinner. Jesus knows this. <laughs> Jesus is really good at reading body language because <laughs> it might have been hard to keep all of that in. Uh, but Jesus knows this. And so he tells me a story. He says, um, Simon, I have something to tell you. Let me tell you a story. Jesus, great storyteller, isn't he? It's good to know the stories of Jesus and to be able to spin them. So he tells him a story about, you know, two people who owed a certain money lender money and one uh, owed uh, 500 Another one owned 50. And he says to him, so uh, neither of them had the money to pay, pay the 500, uh, nor the one who had 50. Neither of them could pay their debt to this moneylender. Uh, and the moneylender forgave them both, said Jesus. So he said, which, which of the two who owed the moneylender money uh, do you think uh, would love him more? And Simon, the Pharisee, says, well, the one who had the bigger, bigger debt forgiven. That would make sense. He'd, uh, he would uh, he'd love him the more. And then Jesus then looks at Simon. <laughs> Simon, you got that right. And then he looks at the woman and he says to Simon, Simon, see this woman? You see this woman over here? Let me tell you about this, uh, this woman. When I came, Simon, into your house, right, you didn't give me water for my feet. But this woman here, she had tears that washed my feet and she washed my feet with her hair. When I came into your house, Simon, you didn't give me the kiss of greeting. And having lived in Argentina, where in fact you got two kisses when you came into our house, if you didn't get a kiss of greeting, this was something extraordinary and very, very insulting. Something was very wrong in your relationship. Simon, when I came into your house, you didn't give me a kiss of greeting. This woman has not stopped kissing me. And you know what she's been kissing, Simon? Do you know what she's been kissing, this woman? She has been kissing my feet. And you wouldn't give me a peck on the cheek. You know, Simon... When I came into your house, you didn't give me oil for my forehead and my head. It's very dry, Palestine. You didn't give me oil, which is customary when I came into your house. This woman has given me perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little, Simon. <laughs> I added Simon, <laughs> because I, 
I think that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus sees generosity and he sees meanness, a lack of generosity. And he's got a good story, hasn't he? Pretty good, pretty powerful story about it. And Simon is on the receiving end. But then so is the sinful woman on the receiving end of love, of generosity. Because you can imagine what this conversation would have done for her. Would it not have lifted her heart to hear this story that Jesus told about the two who owed money and to hear the way he spoke to Simon severely at the same time uplifting her act of generosity. Jesus himself being generous in his response to her. Generosity is a key feature of God's love to us in the person of Jesus Christ and also through his people, the church. You might remember the story in uh, Acts uh, chapter 16 uh, where Paul uh, was going to uh, uh, stay uh, in sort of modern-day Turkey area, been in Ephesus and so forth, uh, but he's received a call to go across to, to Macedonia. And uh, he goes to the first town he lights upon, is a city called Philippi, and there's a prayer meeting uh, where people gather to pray. And uh, he goes to the uh, prayer meeting, uh, Paul goes there, and he meets uh, Lydia, who's a businesswoman uh, in uh, dyed uh, cloth, purple dyed cloth, and uh, so um, uh, he meets her and he shares the good news of Jesus with her uh, and uh, she uh, becomes a Christian uh, and she and her household and Paul invites her uh, and the disciple to come uh, and join her, her household. She offers hospitality and generosity. You might recall also there was a slave girl there. Uh, she had been enslaved. She had the she could sort of, uh, the gift of uh, divination, she could tell the future and so she had this spirit within her that allowed her to do this and um, then uh, she used to go around behind um, uh, the uh, Paul and the, the disciples uh, saying, you know, that this one has got a message from God. <laughs> and, uh, and so, um, uh, and you'd think if she really had, everybody recognised the gift that she had that people might have said, oh, in that case we'd better listen to them. Of course, they didn't. They're happy to make money out of her, but they didn't actually want to listen uh, to what she was saying uh, about this message from God. And so, um, anyway, she become Paul releases the evil spirit from her. And, of course, when he does that, she can, she's no longer a money earner uh, for the people uh, who owned her. So they get upset and they beat Paul and the disciples up, cause a disturbance, they're thrown into jail. And then you might remember that there's an earthquake, the jailer's going to kill himself, uh, but uh, Paul says, no, 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 we'll hang around. You don't want to kill yourself. And, uh, and then uh, the jailer invites them to uh, his household and offers them hospitality. I've often thought of the way in which both Lydia and the jailer offer hospitality and the way in which I'm sure they probably ended up getting together uh, in Philippi, and I suspect the former slave girl uh, was there with her. Christianity, you see, uh, has a great history of offering hospitality, and it's the way in which, in fact, the church has grown. There's a, a professor of uh, sociology, Rodney Stark, is an American uh, guy, and uh, he uh, wasn't a Christian guy, but he was very curious about the rise of Christianity, and uh, he was puzzled 
about how the obscure marginal Jesus movement became the dominant religious force in the Western world in just a few centuries. He was curious. He said, how did that happen? He's a professor of sociology, and so he applied all his sociological skills to this. So he looked at demography, you know, birth rates, death rates. He looked at uh, plagues and wars and all sorts of things. That, you know, what could explain how, how this happened? And uh, so when you're reading through it, of course, the Christians, he and the Holy Spirit, <laughs> the Holy Spirit, you know. Apparently there's not a sociological measure for the Holy Spirit. Is uh, one of the conclusions that you come to. And uh, so, uh, but anyway, he, uh, his, his conclusion uh, is uh, quite, uh, quite interesting, and it's, uh, it's this. <clears throat> Hospitality and one-to-one -one relationships caused the spread of the Christian faith, as did the role Christians played in the great epidemics which struck the Roman world in the 2nd and 3rd century. Christianity offered explanation and comfort. Even more important, Christian doctrine provided a prescription for action. That is, the Christian way appeared to work. <laughs> That's an interesting conclusion from a sociologist, isn't it? <laughs> the Christian way appeared to work. Would anybody say amen? Amen. There are a few amens in the room. You'll be pleased to know, Roy. That's good. So, uh, so generosity, you see, uh, is one of the things. Generosity in both being the ones who go to care for the victims of the plague and the epidemics, uh, and the Christians died because they cared, whereas the rest didn't. And the Roman emperor, Sir Julian, railed against this. He said, you know, how come these pagans, he called them, these pagans, the Christians, he called them the pagans, how come these pagans are looking after the poor and people are therefore going and joining them uh, and some of them are dying, yeah, but, but why aren't we there? You see? Well, the Christians have something to die for, don't they? There's something that promotes the Christian faith. I enjoy Christian art. And uh, when I was here, I think it was 1978 or 79, uh, some of you weren't alive then, I know. It is a long time ago. Some are very old. I appreciate that. Uh, and uh, Gailey and I were about to go to Argentina with uh, CMS, and uh, St. Barnabas Bourne was one of the churches that prayed for us. And uh, we were here, and during the course uh, of uh, an interview and so forth, I shared a little bit about how I became a Christian. And uh, during the course of the uh, talk, Uh, I mentioned that one of the things that have been significant in my life was the, the fact that uh, Jesus invited uh, us uh, to allow him into our lives. And that uh, one of the, the, the pictures that have been important, I don't know if any of you are familiar with this, this is Helmut Holt. It's a picture uh, based on Revelation and it's of uh, Jesus uh, knocking at the door of our hearts. And it's based on the verse uh, in uh, in Revelation, which says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, uh, I will come in to him and her and eat with them and they with me. It speaks of God's hospitality, <laughs> doesn't it? Of Christ uh, knocking at the door, inviting us to respond to him. And, uh, and I mentioned that this painting... Uh, which had played a big part uh, in, in my thinking about God's initiative, God's generosity and love, and how there was a picture of this at the Seb's camp at Frankston. So there used to be a, an Anglican boys' camp at Frankston, and this picture used to hang 
uh, up in the hall, at the end of the hall. After the church service, just out the back there, <laughs> two ladies came to me. They were elderly, probably my age. They were significant senior citizens, yes. And uh, these two ladies came, and one of them said, uh, my friend here, and I can't remember the lady's name, she said, my friend here uh, has something to say. She's been deeply moved. And she said, my husband bought that picture and he put it in the hall at the boys' camp, at the Seb's camp. And his prayer was that one day a boy would look at that picture and the Holy Spirit would use it to speak to his heart about Jesus. She started to cry. It's very emotional. She started to cry. I cried. We all cried. It was a very emotional moment. A parishioner of St Barnabas born <laughs> was generous in buying a picture with a vision that one day a boy might look at a picture and might think about Jesus. It's good to be here with you. It's wonderful that you have two pictures of St Barnabas <laughs> in the church. One here and one at the back. And in both of them, Barnabas is typically depicted with the apostolic staff because he's out there telling the good news of God's love to us in Christ. And a bag. You know what the bag represents? It's his money bag. His money bag. So it's not his chocolates or his peanuts or that's his, his loose coin. It's his. Uh, it's a, it's it's a block of land. It's the land that he sold in Cyprus. So he owned land in Cyprus and he sold it, and he gave the money uh, to the disciples uh, for the well-being uh, of the widows and families. Barnabas, in both the pictures, as the apostolic staff and his generosity. You're named after a great saint with a generous heart. And you have a tradition of generosity for which I personally am grateful to God and ever will be. The Lord bless you as you continue your discipleship and your walk with a generous God. And may that generosity continue to flow through you uh, to many others, to young men and women and to the elder citizens amongst us as well. God bless you.